My wife has already mentioned it, but we are so glad to have my mother-in-law, Zita Hogan, with us today. We're thankful she's here, and I'm very honored to have not just my wife, but my mother-in-law and my mother here. I feel like I've hit the jackpot today with all these special ladies in my life, and I do want to give honor to my wife. She is a wonderful, wonderful mother, and, uh, and I appreciate and love her so very, very much. I was thinking before I walked in here today, Mother's Day has always been a special service at our church. And uh, some of you, I'm going to show you a picture of a few Mother's Day. Uh, don't put it up yet, Brother Lane, but I'm going to show you a picture of a few Mother's Days ago. Did he cheat already and show you the picture? Uh, go ahead and throw it up there. H how many of you were here on that Mother's Day? Uh, do you remember? Why are you clapping at that? I, I don't really... Now, if you're new to our church, that was on a Mother's Day in our, what is now the chapel of our church. And I, for the life of me, was trying to remember this morning what I was preaching about on that Mother's Day that constrained me. Was it Pat? Zacchaeus climbing up the tree to see Jesus. And I decided I needed to climb up a little bit higher. And that is what happened. Now, if you're a guest here, never fear right now. Because I want you to look at this pulpit right here and look at the preacher today. Uh, Jesus turned water to wine, but it would be a miracle if I got on top of this pulpit today. So uh, I got down from preaching that sermon. Literally, I got down from preaching that sermon. And I had a, a statement go uh, through my mind that an elder made to me years ago. He said, when you are preaching and you're thinking about you know, the movements that you're making. He said this, and it's, it's a humorous statement. He said, never start something in the spirit that you cannot finish in the flesh. <laughs> That's a good example right there. It felt like such a good idea, an impromptu moment, but uh, then you get up there and you think, what am I doing up here? But I, I want to give honor to uh, all the moms that are present. Uh, let me also say, uh, Brian and Robin Bulger are here, and their sweet son. It's so good to have the Bulgers back home. I give honor to them today. Amen. So good to see them. It's been said that the natural state of motherhood is unselfishness. Isn't that a good statement? When you become a mother, you are no longer the center of your own universe, but you relinquish that position to your children. That's why we give honor to our moms today. Did you know mothers have their own dictionary? Did you know this? Yeah, mothers have their own dictionary. Let me give you a few of the entries in the mother's dictionary in 2022. The first is the definition for the, for the word feedback. Feedback is the inevitable result when your baby doesn't appreciate the strained carrots. <laughs> They'll give you feedback. How about this? Full name. Full name. This is in the dictionary. What you call your child when you're mad at him. <laughs> Full name. Full name. This is one of my favorites. Puddle. Did you know puddle is in the mother's dictionary? A small body of water that draws other small bodies wearing dry shoes into it. Did you know show-off is in the mother's dictionary? A child who is more talented than yours. I don't know why that one cracks me up so much, because it's so true. 
And then some of you who have little kids, you know this is true. This is in your dictionary. You look this afternoon, this is in your dictionary. It's the word sterilize. What you do to your first baby's pacifier by boiling it and your last baby's pacifier by blowing on it. I literally saw this happen recently. A, a pacifier fell on the ground and the mom just took it, whoosh, blew on it and handed it back to the child. That's, a, that's a, just a great memory is what that is. They exist as three women seemingly with lives that would never intersect. Literally would never intersect. Yet they are bound together by one common thread in the Bible that we hold on our lap today, and it is the thread of motherhood. One who birthed and reared the Messiah himself. One who instilled faith in a young child who would grow into an early church leader. And another who exhibited powerful intercession for a child that was demon-possessed. Mothers whose very presence brought change for other people. I want to go on record at the beginning of this Mother's Day sermon and say, I thank God for godly mothers. I thank God for the power in godly mothers. For what is in the DNA, if you will, of godly mothers. It is such a picture of human interplay and exchange, a mother and her child. And sometimes it's easy when we talk about Jesus Christ to assume, and rightfully so, the God that robed himself in flesh, the God-man. And yet, he was a man as well. And he had a mother. He had a womb from which he came. And by virtue of that, he had a relationship between he as a child and Mary as his mother. The scripture just simply says in the Gospel of John, the second chapter, that there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Weddings are exciting times. We've had a few of them here recently. And it was in those great celebratory occasions that Mary and Jesus find themselves. And the scripture also says that several of Jesus' ministry colleagues, the disciples, were there as well. It was not simply Jesus and his mother, but many of the disciples were there. And perhaps it can be viewed as a bit passive-aggressive on Mary's part when she found out that there was a problem at the wedding. Now, have you noticed that in any social setting, there are several different categories of people? Uh, in this particular setting, they ran out of wine. The, the beverage uh, area was dry. And there are some segments of society when that happens, even in this church right now. If we were to have a potluck dinner and the iced tea runs dry, we don't have any water, we don't have any tea. There is a segment of this church, you just keep on trucking. You just keep on eating casseroles and ham and green beans, and you just keep on trucking. Yet oblivious. That's just human nature. But then there are others that take notice of everything. We only have three forks left. The napkins are running low. 
The iced tea is down to the very last bit. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, must have been one of these. Because without prompting, without anybody telling her, she simply says to her son, they have no wine. Not, would you do something about that, Jesus? Can you take care of this, Jesus? A, think like I think. They don't have any wine. Take care of it. No, he, she simply looked at her son and said, they have no wine. Now, now, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry if this blows your image of Mary, and especially if it blows your image of me. I think that's passive-aggressive right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm preaching to people right now that your spouse can lay in bed at night when you're just about asleep and say, Ooh, it's hot in here. Now, real quick, I know we're on dangerous ground when you start talking about marriage right here. How many of you know you have a decision to make when your spouse says it's hot in here? You either have to believe that that was just a nice piece of information. Or that was a not-so-subtle invitation to do something about the fact it's hot in here right now. Do I have a witness in the house? Be careful, be careful. Any witnesses in the house? Yeah. Hey, Jesus, they have no wine. To which Jesus simply responded, John 2 and 4, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, I've preached this before. Some of you may remember. He is really a gutsy guy right here. Because to his mother, he says, woman. Now, how many of you break out in hives just thinking about doing that to your mama? Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour is not yet. Come, we got an issue at the wedding. We got a son that's kind of arguing with his mama. And Mary says this. She ignores her son and turns rather to the servants and says, he's over here, the servants. are. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Now, how many of you know we're swimming in a passive-aggressive pool right here? It's like flowing deep right here. Whatever he says to do, you do it. Now, she's not just telling Jesus about the problem. Now she's giving orders to the servants. But yet I want you to notice something in this passage that is sometimes easy to miss. Jesus was under authority. This was his power. I want you to notice he's a grown man. And yet when he had a, an interchange with his mother, when he had communication with his mother, it was his mother that initiated his supernatural ministry. And it's when this Jesus was submitted to his mother that it released the power to flow. Let me just tell somebody on this Sunday morning, we are not powerful because of our giftedness. We are not powerful because of our calling. We are not powerful because of our talents. We are powerful.
powerful when we are submitted. And when we are submitted, God honors that. He honors that. Jesus is a great example of this. You see, his resistance against the devil himself in Matthew chapter 4 was when Jesus, the God-man, declared to the temptation of the devil, it is written. He submitted to the word of God. Now I want you to notice something. I want you to see this. This is going to be on the screen here in just a minute. Matthew chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Did you know that the devil knew the scriptures? I'm going to prove this to you. The devil knew the scriptures. When he is tempting Jesus to cast himself off of the temple and the angels will come and bear him up or bow down and worship me. The Bible says in Matthew 4 verses 6 and 7, the devil said to him, to Jesus, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. How many of you know Jesus, rather the devil was quoting scripture right there? You say, really? Is that in the Bible? Yes, it is. Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. The devil is quoting scripture to Jesus. So how did Jesus respond to him? Verse 7. Jesus said to him, it is written again. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. I want you to hear this. The devil knew the scriptures. But Jesus was submitted to the scriptures. See, it's not enough to know the Bible. I have to be submitted to the Bible. It's not enough to have a casual understanding of what the Bible says. But when you and I take this word and we say, I'm going to come underneath its authority, underneath its power, underneath its protection, we become absolutely dangerous to the devil. Jesus' power was in his submission. John chapter 14 and verse 10. Do you not believe Jesus said that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Watch this now. The mother of Jesus initiated the revealing of the glory of God. Because John 2 and 11 says this beginning of signs at the wedding in Cana, Jesus did and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Please hear me today. Because the ministry of Jesus would eventually be carried on through his disciples, this was a very important moment. Because this mother was teaching something to the followers of Jesus. It's in your submission that you have great power. Mm. I'm just going to camp out here for just a second. It is in the submitted life that God shows up in his power. It is in the submitted life to the word of God. That God steps in and says, I recognize that that person has the power, if they want, to live outside of my word. But they are choosing to come underneath the authority of my word. And I can trust somebody like that. 
Oh, come on. I need someone to hear what I'm preaching right now. You think about the most powerful person in God you've ever met. It's not because of their charisma. It's not because of their talents. It's not because of their giftedness. And they may have a lot of all of those things. But it is because they take all the talent and all the charisma and all the giftedness. And they say, Lord, I cannot lean on that. I cannot rest on that. But I take everything that I am and I place it underneath the lordship of who you are. Jesus' mother release the supernatural in the life of her son. That's a pretty powerful mom right there. So what does a mother do when the home situation is not perfect? What happens when you don't have the family seen on the Leave it to Beaver show? Pardon the reference right there, those of you young folks here. How many of you are old enough to remember Leave It to Beaver? A mom and dad that were only married to one another, had kids, a white picket fence, dog. What happens when you don't have that? Does that somehow exclude us? Does that somehow exclude moms from being important in the life of their family? Does that somehow make you less than rather than equal to Timothy was a native of Lystra. He has referenced a total of 28 times, nine times using his well-known name, Timothy, and 19 times using his Greek name, Timotheus. Church tradition suggests that he was born around 17 AD. His mother, Timothy's mother, was a Jewess by the name of Eunice. She later, however, became a Jewish Christian, Acts 16 and 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. His father was a Greek Gentile. It was a mixed racial background for Timothy. Some have speculated that Timothy's dad was not a believer. The Bible actually doesn't say that. It simply says that he was Greek. But we certainly don't see a reference to mutual spiritual responsibility on the part of Timothy's mom and dad. His grandmother on his mother's side was a lady by the name of Lois, and she too was a Christian. Both Lois, the grandmother, and Eunice, Timothy's mom, were likely converted during Paul's first evangelistic journey to the city in 46 A.D., it was during this time, as found in Acts chapter 14, that a crippled man is healed. But soon after, Paul was stoned to death and then resurrected. In early 50 AD, Paul meets an unmarried Timothy in Lystra and soon after took him and began to instruct him during his second missionary journey. At the time of their meeting, they were roughly 48 years old, Paul, and 33 years old, Timothy. Based on the recommendation of several church members, both in the city of Iconium and others, Paul decides to take this young man with him as he travels preaching the gospel. Acts 16, verses 2 and 3. According to the older man, Paul, Timothy was taught 
when he was a child about the scriptures. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, you must continue, Timothy, in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. I want you to note that the Old Testament that some people disregard was the foundation on which salvation would be achieved in the New Covenant. It was the Old Testament scriptures that Timothy's mom and grandmother taught him that became the anchor for his life and ultimately his salvation. It's why Paul said in 2 Timothy 1, I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, Timothy, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded that it is in you also. Well, I want someone to hear this preacher this morning. Genuine faith is not a given in a child's life. Genuine, pure faith doesn't happen because we just send them to children's ministry. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 12, to each is given a measure of faith. But it was Simon Peter that said we have to add to our faith virtue and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. And so I rise on this Mother's Day and say to moms that are under the sound of my voice, teach your children the Word of God. Even if you have a broken home, even if home is not exactly the way it is for the family across the aisle from you, even if it seems to be less than, lift up your voice, open up your Bible, and teach those children. You never know what they're going to grow up to be. You never know what's going to happen in their life. They may be the next great evangelist. They may be the next great apostle. There may be powerful things that God does through them because of a mother's shared faith. Thank God for godly moms. Teach it faithfully. You don't have to be perfect, moms. Just live it out and teach it to those kids. Refuse to believe that because it's not perfect in home, that somehow it's not going to communicate when you teach faith. Those kids are looking at you, Mom. Paul recognized not only the faith of Timothy, but that it came from his mother and his grandmother. Perhaps there is no greater dismay in life, and especially the life of a mother, than to know that the enemy, the devil, is wearing out her child. I've talked to a whole lot of moms that have waged war against the devil because of what he seems to be doing against her child. It was in Matthew chapter 15 that the words are recorded that Jesus went out from there and he departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan 
came from that region and cried out to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now, mamas, I don't want to cast a pall over Mother's Day for you, but I wish you'd think for just a few moments the pain that this mama is feeling. When that child, it's not just that perhaps there's some disability or some difficulty in learning. It's not that. It's the fact that the devil has that kid. And the devil is possessing that child and wearing that child out. And she comes with an emphatic plea and a cry coming from her innermost being and says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter has the devil controlling her life. And watch what Jesus does for her. Absolutely nothing. The Bible says that he ignored her. So you know what she did? Well, I'll tell you what I'd do. If I had a child demon-possessed and I went to Jesus' prayer meeting and I asked him to help me and he did nothing for me, that's it. Humanism, here I come. Agnosticism, here I come. Atheism, here I come. He must not care for me. That is not what this mama did. When she was ignored, it doesn't say it in the Bible, but I can imagine way in the back of her brain, she said, I must not have cried loud enough. <laughs> hey! Jesus! Son of David, hey! Have mercy on me. And the Bible says that Jesus' closest, most spiritual followers decided they would do some front work for Jesus at this juncture. And they stepped up and looked at this desperate mama and said, Ma'am, please go away. You're not in covenant. You don't have the right last name. You're not supposed to be here. It's not time for you. Now, everybody in the house, I want you to say something. I need you to help me preach right now. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to help pastor preach right now. I want you to say four words. And I'm going to give you a chance to say it normal, and then I'm going to let you get a little preach in you, okay? I had, by the way, I had someone tell me one time after uh, I preached, they said, and why is it that you spit when you preach? <laughs> For a little guy, you get red in the face a lot. <laughs> so say this with me, four words. But she kept coming. <laughs> one more time, say it one more time. <laughs> All right, now. I want you to get a little preach in you right now. I want you to say, but she kept coming. Mm. Some of y'all just did it because I asked. Some of you went, whoa, I'm going to step on into that right there. Say, but she kept coming. 
So every time I point at you, you're going to preach with me right now. How many know there's some times that mamas don't get the answers to prayers that they've been praying for a long time? And it might seem like it's time just to throw in the towel and say, I guess I'm not going to get my answer. Such was this lady. She was ignored by Jesus. She was ridiculed by the followers of Jesus. Ready? And so I get to prayer meeting and I pray a passionate prayer and it seems like that the heavens are brass and I can't get my answer from God. I want to know, is there any mama in this house that would say, you know what, I've been praying a long, long time for that boy. I've been praying for a breakthrough a long, long time and I have made up in my mind, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to let the enemy wear me out. But in the morning, I'm going to pray. And at night, I'm going to pray. And when I feel like it, I'm going to pray. And when I don't feel like it, I'm going to pray. Come on, mamas. You got to keep coming. You got to keep coming. You got to keep coming. Come on, shout it. But she kept coming. Come on, mama, shout it out. But she kept coming. Oh, when I'm pushed down, I'm going to keep on coming. When I pray and I don't get an answer, I'm going to keep on coming. When I worship and other people get the answer that I was wanting, I'm going to keep on coming. I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on trusting. I will not, will not, will not, will not give up. I'm going to tell you something. You better get out of the way of a mama that's not giving up. You might as well clear a path for a mama that doesn't give up. There is nothing like a mama that says, I'm getting my answer. I'm getting my breakthrough. I'm getting my touch from God. I think we need to praise God right now. I feel a breakthrough spirit in this house. Some of y'all are wanting to know what I'm going to say next. I'll tell you what I'm going to say next. You got to keep coming. You got to keep coming. You got to keep coming. Jesus, whoo, Jesus finally looked at her and said, you know, I'm really not sent right at this juncture, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, you got to be a Jew. That's really who I'm sent to right now. And this mama, Sister Davis, who would not take no for an answer, said, that's true, Lord. That's true. I don't have the right last name. I don't have the heritage that all these other spiritual folks have. But even the dogs gather around and sweep up some of the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Even the dog. Do you know what she did in that one moment? She identified with the dog. She said, you can call me a dog. I'll identify with that. But even the dogs get a little something from the dinner table. (laughs) So if it means me parking out under your table. I know this. I got a dog. And we got a glass kitchen table.
I won't tell you which one of my kids used to do this. They'd take a little piece of food off their plate and they would hold it up over the glass table. <laughs> and drop it. Every mama in the house, I want you to stand with me right now. Every mother in the house. I speak the blessing of the Lord over your life. I speak provision over your life right now. Some of you have been praying prayers that you haven't told anybody about. But there's a passion inside of you. There's a I'm not letting go spirit inside you. Can I just speak over faith over you right now? And tell you if you'll just stay at it. If you'll just stay at it. There's a time coming. When that food's not going to hit the table anymore, there's going to be some crumbs fall on the, on the floor. And we're going to have to, we're going to be feasting. It's not going to be a dog licking up crumbs. There's going to be something that God is going to bring in your life that you have been praying for and you have been interceding for and you've been asking God for and other people have given up on. But you haven't given up yet, mama. There's something about a mama that just keeps coming. Mama, can you do this? Everybody just close your eyes. Nobody's looking around. Mama, would you just put your hands up in the air? And God, I pray every hand that's lifted right now, you would strengthen those hands. You would strengthen that mind of that mother right now. I pray those that have been so desperate, God, that you would reach right now and do what only you can do in your power and your glory in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Everybody else, join these mamas and stand with me right now. Join these mamas. There's a spirit of faith in this house. Come on, let's reach to the Lord right now. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray. We're going to be dismissed to go enjoy our mamas this afternoon. But I feel an unction from the Spirit in this church today. Woo! I feel an unction from the Holy Ghost in this church today. Come on, I could walk around this church right now and I could... Tap some mamas on the shoulder that you prayed a long time to get where you're at right now. You prayed a long time and God's got his eye on you. God's got his eye on you. Woo! Come on, let's be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, I, I, I feel like we need to follow the leading of the Spirit right now. I wish you would just lift up your voice right now. Come on, lift up your voice right now. I don't want to choreograph anything. Just lift up your voice right now. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. God, answer the prayers of our mamas right now. Answer the prayers of our mamas right now, Lord. Hallelujah. Here's what I want to do. I want to just, as a church, pray a blessing over each of our moms that are here. Can you do this? If you're a mama... I want you just to join me real quick up here. Would you just come from everywhere, all across the sanctuary? Come on. We're just going to applaud you a little bit today. We're going to let you know how special you are today. We're going to speak a blessing over your life today. I want you to turn toward the congregation. Just come up close to the altar and just turn toward the congregation. Just turn toward the congregation. We got some awesome mamas in this house. Come on, mamas. We're blessing you today in prayer. We're blessing you today in prayer. Look at all these moms. 
goodness gracious, we got a lot of moms here today. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we're so thankful for all of our moms that are here. New Life Church, I want to present to you a group of people that are far more important than somebody that has a lot of social media influence, and they may have social media influence too, but I want to submit to you a group of people that literally brought a human life into existence or adopted that boy or that girl, chose that child. I want to submit to you a group of ladies that are so vital to this world. We love you, moms. We value you. We appreciate you. We think you are tops. And you are worthy of every bit of blessing we could extend your way. Those of you in the congregation, would you just give a rousing ovation to these great moms? Yeah! Come on, whoop it up and holler for our mamas. Hallelujah. Jesus, as we get ready to leave this house today, we pray a special anointing on these moms. I pray the next year of their life will be signally blessed by your presence. You have brought them here on purpose today and we value them. We bless them. We pray for them right now. Keep your hand on our mamas right now. Encourage them when they need courage. Strengthen them when they feel weak, Lord. I thank you for the life-giving nature of these ladies that stand before us today. Bless our families. Keep your hand on our church family. And Lord, we're going to thank you and give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Sister Wendy's going to sing it one more time as our, our mothers are being dismissed. But moms, make sure you get a gift out there in the lobby. Hug a mom before you leave today. We're honored that you came to New Life. There are 90 moms here today. That's awesome. 90 moms. Happy Mother's Day. Have a great day. You're dismissed in the name of Jesus. We'll see you Wednesday night. Pastor Nate's going to preach a great lesson Wednesday night. Jesus from the mountains. Jesus. Jesus in the street. Hallelujah. Jesus from the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my